Bearcats podcast back at it again. As always, I am Brent Young. It is a Monday, so that means it is time for me to be joined by two highly esteemed colleagues, two big-time taker-inners of spring football practice number one, and for one of them, practice number two. And, of course, those invested highly still as Wes Miller season one heads into big time win or go home March fashion. That's right. No better time for the Danco Transmission BBP Bearcat Bounce Podcast. That means it's time to bring in Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel. Aaron, Chad, how are we? After that introduction, you uh, you, you did actually, I think you topped out on your uh, on your audio with the uh, <laughs> with your initial intro, uh, things are going well, I man. It. I mean, the the weather has been abnormal. Well, don't jinx it. It's gonna get cold again, like we, tomorrow. We, I can't jinx it if it's already in place, man. Come on now. I agree. But yeah, been doing all right. Good. Got a haircut, or maybe it's old, or no it's- hair haircut, beard trim. Got there it all taken care of Friday. Looking smooth. Appreciate Chad, it. how are we? It's been a busy day, boys. It's been a busy day. Had uh, spring practice in the morning, a little uh, lunch with with my man Justin Williams. Had a little little Adriaticos for lunch. Oh, and then uh, back for basketball. Little little Wes Miller media session. Um, okay. Got to stick around for a couple minutes of, of basketball, and then had to head home. Spent some uh, a little QT with the wife on her birthday. Dinner, a little ice cream cake. That's uh, my wife doesn't mess with cake cake. She likes ice cream cake. Hmm. Dairy Queen or or Kroger? Cold Stone Creamery. Oh, she doesn't mess her. She doesn't mess around. Like fancy, huh? Look, man, she's been through hell and back. If she wants the good ice cream cake, she gets the good ice cream cake. No judgment here. Cream and cake. Do the ice cream and cake. You know, right. That's, straw, that's uh, uh, red velvet cake, strawberry ice cream, a little chocolate on top. Oh, pretty good. Pretty red good. and black, red and black. Bearcats always in forever, like like our man Daryl T. Hill says. Daryl, how are we? And and as Tim, thanks for asking me how I am. I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Quite excited. March is uh, simply my favorite month of the year, uh, and for certain reasons, different. Here and there. But, Chad, as you mentioned, today was a day that started with football and then bleeded into basketball and now rings up with the BVP. So that's the order we're going to do here on the BVP. But before we mention that, we do have to mention the last time the Bearcats took the hardwood. They they came up short. A valiant effort. We're going to touch on it later. And, of course, what's what's to come? Some, Some observations from there and for the near future. But that means... You head to Danco Transmission because they, they fell 76 to 71. That means 71 points for the Bearcats. You go to Danco, anything over $100. Mention the BVP, mention Chad, mention Aaron, mention Jarrett Hensley. Put him on a poster. You get $71 off. Anything over $100. Big time, big time deal, like always. But we got to bring up the thing first. What happened on Saturday? You both were in attendance. It was a beautiful, glorious day. 
in Nippert Stadium. I mean, that was that was the highlight right there. Boom. Get that get that message about nine o'clock Saturday morning. No bubble. Nippert, let's go. Ooh, so baby. I loved it. Lock and loved load. It. Lock and load. Aaron, Chad, you guys were there. I got an invite to go to a basketball game, and I I, I went to the basketball game. So. Oh, see, we assumed since it's like wedding season now, right? No, eh, but- maybe close. For those looking to cut a corner, save a buck. I feel like it's the beginning of weddings. Right. <laughs> no, I so so I did get a wedding invitation in the mail, and I and I got a little nervous because it was the November wedding. But get this, November twelfth, Bearcats play Friday, November eleventh against ACU. What a deal! What a deal! But no, yeah, I went to the. Uh, I was in West Lafayette at the Indiana Purdue game. Old buddy of mine used to play for the Boilermakers. He was like, "Hey, let's let's go check it out." I said, "Why not?" And uh, went down there. Pretty good game. Great atmosphere. Who's uh, who's paying you to talk about Indiana and Purdue? Uh, quite a, <laughs> quite a few people, to be honest. But you guys were at a beautiful locale, one that is filled normal normally with a rousing group of fans. Huge, huge atmosphere. But on Saturday, it was. It was a new book, Chad. You mentioned that a couple times to Luke Fickle. What were your guys' thoughts on the beginning of the book in spring practice day one? We're going to talk on day one for a second because, Chad, you're at day two. We're going to dive further into that. But day one, Aaron, go ahead and start off with you. Just kind of observations that you were able to take in. A couple days removed now. What well, uh, what kind of stuck in your mind since then? So one of the things that kind of stuck out was just how many guys weren't there from last year. Um, I know that Chad and I talked about on the nightcap, but it was just crazy to look around and not see a Desmond Ritter, not see, you know, uh, Alec Pierce or a Darian Beavers or a Maje or a Sauce or a Kobe. Like, I mean, when you lose 30 seniors, there's definitely a a facelift of sorts. Mm -hmm. And to see, you know, what we would generally see last year in like the last 10, 15 minutes of practice, but it was these guys now as, as the guys. So it was just kind of, I don't know, I guess kind of a a shock at first to just really see this team executing without all those guys. Uh, That said, there were a couple guys that stood out. Um, I mean, we talked about it with uh, like Jaheim looks like he's, he's really filled out. Um, one of the guys that we didn't talk about the other night was uh, Ryan Coe, <laughs> the kicker, who uh, we were – we he wasn't far from us when Chad and I and, and Justin were all standing there, and he looks like a guy that I would not want to take a hit from. He's he's thick. It's a, it's a, he looks like a linebacker. Like, it's a, it's a big, strong dude. <laughs> How does his leg look? They haven't really kicked yet. Okay. There's been punting. They've done punting special teams work, but we haven't seen them. Well, and part of that is they they're not in pads and stuff yeah. yet. So um, you're not gonna you're not gonna go through the motions on field goal without guys being able to try to to rush. So we have not seen we've seen his leg before practice. Looks very strong. But we've not seen any live action uh, yet from the kickers. We'll get there. Um, JQ, big. Big guy, as advertised. 
Nick Hardner or Mardner. Mardner. Uh, Nick Mardner. Uh, again, big, large human as advertised. Right. Uh, I don't know. I'm I mean, think who was who was the last receiver here that was quite that long? I mean, maybe McHale. McHale wasn't as tall. Yeah. Right. He was. He had good length though. Um, right. I don't remember anybody that looks like Nick Mardner does. Like yeah. most of the receivers come up to like the middle of his helmet. Like right. he's half a helmet taller at least than pretty much everybody. I mean, he's including the secondary. Yeah. Once he figures it out, like, and he's already made a couple catches just in two days right? where you're like, Oh, okay. Me, me likey. Like I did this, this adds an element that they haven't had uh, in the past. So, I mean, like a like a Malik Mudge or however you exactly said his name, he was kind of of the bigger variety, but more of a tight end out there running path running routes. Is this like a uh, like a Josh Wiley on the outside? You you have to see him. Like yeah. it's <laughs> it, it it's different, right? right. It, it's different. Like uh, just his his length and, and overall size stands out immediately like he's one of those that your eyes are instantly like who's that what's that all about for sure it's it's not normal like especially when you see like all the receivers huddled up and everything and he's just elevated he's literally a half a helmet it's, it's wild it looks Absolutely like when wild. it looks like when Mets got here and we weren't used to that right and there would be all these six five guys and then Mets whose chin was at all the top of their helmets yeah, it's it, it, he kind of has that much of a size differential, and even Blue, who's you know a good six five, big, yeah, is you know six noticeably six, six, shorter, six. noticeably shorter. So strange. Okay, Aaron, I know your eyes then gravitated once you got over the the new initial feel of things, and I, I know you were wanting to get a good look at the quarterbacks. Yes, sir. Um, so. Your your takeaways, your drawbacks from you know both Ben Bryant and of course Evan Prater and Brady Lichtenberg's getting his name tossed around a little bit too, but obviously more to come from him. But uh, as far as the big two with with Ben Bryant and Evan Prater, it was it was the first day of practice. Let's put right. it that way. Um, both guys looked like they had to shake a little bit off and kind of get into the flow of things before they actually locked in right um there was a lot of just uh short to intermediate passing going on um and even intermediate i think was is probably a stretch for a lot of the early initial passes from either quarterback um and then they tried to air it out deep and both quarterbacks were sailing receivers um but then they got into their groove a little bit and both guys were able to make some long deep connections and um they were able to to both have passes, I'd say over 30, 35 yards. Um, but you're on you're on mute, Chad. They had a little back and forth where it was like big play, yeah. big play, big play, where they were kind of right. towards the end of one up in each other towards the end on Saturday, where you could <laughs> tell they were they were warmed up and you know finally in a rhythm. Because day one for quarterbacks, especially and especially this situation. Yeah. Where they're neither have really played here, 
mm-hmm. you know, Ben has a full game under his belt, but I like, right. they're trying to, they're both trying to win this job. Yeah. So you come out a little over amped, right. uh, but once, once they settled in towards the back half of practice, both look pretty good. Today was, today was a different story. Oh, we're going to, we're, we're going to dive into that here, here very shortly. Uh, Aaron, the new coaches, any of them really kind of catch your eye as far as, you know. Absolutely. Just, wow. Okay. It was. I know the answer, but. Of course you do. Everyone knows the answer. But right. seeing Kerry Combs back at Nippert and in his element, if you will. Right. Just. I don't know how the guy ever has a voice, ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It kind of reminds me of uh, what was that coach that was at uh, VCU for a while? Was, was that um, Shaka? Was that, yeah, yeah. I just still remember him as the VCU guy. Um, <laughs> now he has hair and coaches that. It's been like Pet, four other jobs dude. since VCU. Listen, I mean, that's that's how I remember him. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean it's uh, it was it was fantastic to see him back on the sideline. I got to introduce myself to him and, and catch up with him for a bit. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, that was who I was most excited to see. Um, I know that uh, as we were leaving, Chad and Justin got a chance to talk with some of the other coaches that I have yet to meet. Um, I didn't know Walt as he was walking by. Um, Cummings, you know, I didn't know him when there he was walking by. Um, so it'll it'll take me a, a second to get in the groove with some of those guys. But I did want to seek out um, Carrie as my dad um, graduated a couple of years from above him at Corain. My aunt graduated with him, and they lived on the same street, as I came to find out after practice. So I'll have to be mentioning all that to him next time I talk to him. Well, there we go. Is so Corain back then? What is? I mean, is was it a big school? I'm just trying to think. I mean, they had to have at least bumped into each other, known each other. Well, I mean, living on the same street, like it it was, it was in a neighborhood. It wasn't like a a big long road or anything that they lived on. Um, So yeah, I imagine that. um, I mean, I would think that Corain would have been probably pretty big back then although i'm pretty sure back then northgate mall may have been a, a an airstrip um which was a thing but it's what we can call it what whenever we interview carrie it'd be like coffee with combs or something along those lines could be nice a little uh little pretty ad sure, for him pretty sure coffee with is taken yeah but you know that's kind of it's a little bit more filtered one. This is the uh, that's the the decaf version. We've got the caffeinated, uh, unfiltered version over here. Um, Leaded, full right, flavor, exactly, full flavor. Uh, Aaron, wrap up. Give me give me one play, one one big thing that you grab from Saturday that the fans will just be like, yes, that is awesome. Aaron Smith told me this on the BBP from Saturday's practice. My favorite play all day was just in some uh, positional drills. And it was Ken Willis jumping at the sideline, making a one-handed grab over his head, just reaching up and, and snagging it one-handed. Um, you know, we, we don't necessarily expect to see those types of plays from uh, true freshmen, much less true freshmen coming off an injury. So uh, for him to be You're able such to – Such a Colerain homer. Listen, I grew up in the area, man. But it happened right in front of us too. Like, I mean, we weren't privy to – what was happening on you know the other end of the the field? Uh, at least it wasn't you know right in your face quite the same. So um, that was that was probably the biggest play that I saw that I liked. I mean that is interesting too because cornerback obviously has been discussed everywhere. Is is a position kind of 
open, obviously, with, with two monsters going off to the NFL. Mm-hmm. If these players that are getting this, these reps in spring ball, if they make plays like that, no reason why they can't use that to propel themselves during the offseason and, and at least get a shot. Special teams, work your way up, a la right. Sauce Gardner, things of that sort. Right. So that brings us to today. Aaron, you're back in Athens, so that means Chad, you were rep- repping the uh, the BCJ at practice today. Let's As I will every day. Right. You guys are there when it's convenient. Oh, what? <laughs> I'd be there every day if I could. Two and a half hours, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. You, you still have a place in Cincinnati. I don't want to hear that. For like a week. <laughs> Everything's boxed up. Um, yeah, I was there today. So, uh, was it first? My first question to you is this: You always kind of want to take in kind of just warm ups as well, just kind of how the team looks warming up and who's taking the leadership during that. It's obviously Brady being the being the vocal leader, trying to get everyone loosened up and everything. But did you kind of sense the same feel as there was on Saturday, kind of leading into this one, or was did it? What was the same no, it's, vibe it's, and the same momentum there? Yeah, the energy is always almost always good. Like okay. there are very few days. Maybe you'll get a couple of days at higher ground where you can tell like it's you know day 13. Mundane, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. every you know, it, it's Monday, day 13. Everybody just right. returned from campus, they're kind of <laughs> dragging ass a little bit. Um right. that's not uh that's not how things are going right now. And there's a lot of guys that that feel like, you know, they got a shot that right. maybe in the past didn't have a shot. So right. um, the, the energy level is definitely very good. I, I think I have a new man crush on defense. Oh, man. Can I take a guess based off of off of a few podcasts that you talked about, a few few this other is a kid that that started to flash in bowl practice. Yes. And well, then it's I know continuing. the continuing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. Leroy Bowers. Yeah. Oh. And the thing about Leroy, man, we've we've mentioned it before. When you start making yourself known in special teams, you start to become admired by everyone and, and doing flashes here and there. So Chad, what happened on Monday? That continued to, to develop that well, But before he gets there, I just want to say he, I think Kerry was probably on Leroy more than anybody during positional drills on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, well, that, that, it's also see something. It's also in part because he's never done what they're asking him to do right now. Hmm. So uh, I've, I've written about it a little, I want to expand on it a little bit more. He's a sniper by trade, yeah. a dollar. Um, there's no, there's no love. There's no room at the end at that position right now mm-hmm. because you have Deshaun Pace and you have Ty Van Fossen. Um, So they decided to start playing around, toying with how to get him on the field. And with as many, with as much turnover as they've had in the secondary, the thought was let's try him this spring as a nickel. Right. Normally when you think of nickel, you think of, slot corner right like Arquan smaller Bush. underside well but Arquan really wasn't a 
Arquan was an outside guy, outside corner that was playing nickel because Sauce and Kobe were there. Right. Well, when, like uh, 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 Rainey, Malik Rainey. Like, yeah. you know, 5'9", you know, shifty, small, like able yeah. to keep up with these little slot receivers. Um, I, I I get the sense that that Mike Trestle prefers zone. Um, they didn't have a choice but to play, you know, press man last year because if you didn't play press man with that group, you're an idiot. Wasting talent, yeah. Yeah. So as they're developing, I think we're going to see a little bit more zone. When you look at a guy like Leroy Bowers, he's more of a safety than he, he is. Played safety in high school. Yes. Um, and he was going to play that, you know, hybrid linebacker safety if he was the dollar. Right. So now they're looking and seeing what does it look like if we get him on the field with Payson Van Fossen. Right. And essentially, in a lot of ways, what you're playing is a 3-4. Right. With three down linemen and four linebackers, two of them that are coverage backers, basically, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really interesting schematically. And when you watch him play, he had one today, Brent. Brady Lichtenberg's playing quarterback. They're, right. they're in team drill. And Brady stands back in the pocket for a second. And he breaks to scramble to his left. And Bowers is in coverage in like a zone right in the middle of the field. Right. Remember the, the what was it, the DeBlanco? Or was it Huber that had the delayed blitz? Um, uh, they both had him at certain times last year. But yeah. So about. he just the second that he read that Lichtenberg was breaking the pocket, he hit the gas, <laughs> and it looked like somebody shot him out of a cannon. Yep. And it, Brady got the ball off before he got you know you're not allowed to hit the quarterback anyway, right? But it was just one of those like you know a couple times like you saw Brian Cook just explode in the open field. Yep, Wiggins, you had seen it before with him. Pace, we've seen it a couple times with him. Right. And this was Bowers like putting his stamp on. I got I got the gas. Like if I'm coming after you, I'm coming after you. And it was like it, you get kind of like, oh, they got a new toy. Uh, they got a new toy that think how good you have to be for Luke Fickle to say, look, we we are putting we're trying something completely different that's out of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. that's how good you are. We have to get you on the field. And that's kind of what they're doing with Leroy, Leroy right, right now. So so my thought on that is the fact that both Leroy and Pace played safety in high school. They both have those coverage traits to them. Sure. I, Pace, had, Pace was great in coverage last year. I mm -hmm. think if he didn't leave the team in interceptions, he was tied for first. Uh, had to look up that stat real fast, but – I mean, so it's it's not like you're telling, you know, Joel DeBlanco and and Will Huber. I'm I'm sure they'll they'll try their hardest to do it to to get back there in coverage. But I mean, you've got two guys that are used to playing coverage up there and kind of like a three four look. Like I think you mentioned in the first practice notes. My 
My next question is this. Do you think this is also goes hand in hand a, just a little bit with the fact that there were some games, including the Cotton Bowl as well, where they did give up quite a lot of yardage on the ground, where this gives you the chance to have another player who kind of might be a little bit more of a headhunter, a little bit more of, you know, like a missile out there, a, a linebacker hybrid. Yeah, type. I mean – it would be like if this like if this continues and they, they decide this experiment is right. is long term, he would be out on the field on like first and second down. Like you're not right. leaving him out there on third down and seven right on a clear passing down to cover a slot receiver. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it, it could be something that that is seen in light of helping to uh solidify yourself against the run. Um I, I don't think that's completely off base i i think this is just another example of like you know them getting together in the offseason and saying all right we want to we want to get this guy in the field let's get creative right the, well, you, the easy thing would to do would have been what brent move him to safety yeah well who bowers yeah exactly. yeah like that would have yeah. been you know you just he's six one two twelve like right. he's not out of the realm of like you know he's not Certainly not too big, quote unquote, to play safety. Right. Um, there you go. Your, Aaron. your interception leader right there was four, Deshaun Pace yeah. with four. There yeah. You go. Um, so I think this is just getting a little creative and saying, you know, let's let's find a way to get this kid on the field and see what he's got. And through two days, I, I put in my little notes thing today. If I had to pick two young guys, the guys that weren't on the two deep, guys that are looking to to storm up the roster, uh, I, I'd go Leroy Bowers and Shaman Mateer. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, uh, but wasn't Leroy one of the names that uh, during the subathon that uh, Malik even mentioned as a guy who had been standing out to him? Yeah. Well, he was Leroy. Leroy was really good in bowl practices. And that was kind of like, you know, it, it got a chance to get him off the scout team because so often, like once you're on scout team, you're just doing a job, right? You're you're simulating the other team. You're not looking to like make plays. You're just be doing what is asked of you as a, a member of the scout team. Right. And then they gave him a chance, you know, when they, they took the scout team jerseys off of him for a week. And all of a sudden he's flying. Like, I still don't think he knows totally what the hell he's doing yet but he's just another one of those like what do they love high motor high energy fly after the ball don't think just go and that's kind of who Leroy Bowers is already and uh I am beginning to get very excited about Leroy Bowers so for me is when I was you know here and there covering a little bit of, of recruiting and whatnot, the two players or the two classes that I was affiliated with for the most part was the Deshaun Pace class and the Leroy Bowers class. And during both times, I would I mentioned to you numerous times, Chad, I was like, why is, is Pace rated? You know, why isn't he rated higher? You watch his tape, you watch right. all these different things in his production, and you're like, uh, he was what, the GMC player of the year, defense player of the year, and you're just like why? Like why is he rated so low? And then I watched Leroy Bowers the exact next year, and I said, "Wow, like he's he's 
pretty much doing a lot of things that pace did. He's got kickoff returns for touchdown, punt return for touchdown, interception return for touchdown. He's making big hits. He's getting sacks, strip sacks, different things of that sort. I was like, why why are these two kids getting more pub, more, you know, and, and maybe maybe it's because they were a little bit of tweeners and you know weren't really sure where to project at the next level. So if Bowers, it sounds like he's making the same sort of jump that Pace did from year one to year two. And if, if this is what kind of translates, then man, that's a that's a, a massive I, weapon to use. I'd say even at this point, like even looks a little more explosive than Pace did last mm-hmm. spring. Yeah. Like just there, like there are times, man, when like it, you just can't, your eyes immediately go like, are just, whoa, right. was that, was that Bowers again? Like, like that kind of thing, like where you're not, you're not intending to watch him. Right. But he just. Like it's like a magnet. Like your eyes are just drawn to him because he does so much athletically. And like I said, like I'm sure right right now he's probably still driving the coaches nuts on like film study Mm -hmm. because it's like (laughs) no, that's not where you were supposed to to be. But you made the play, so you made uh, a good play. Try and do it a little right next time. He's 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 got away. You know, he's still not with the ones. Right. Um, they haven't they haven't taken that risk yet. Uh, this is still in the experimental phase of will this work? But I'm leaning towards yes, and it could make that defense again very interesting because you don't. I don't know. Like I'm sure there are other places, but like the new thing in college football is using one of those hybrid yeah. linebacker safeties. Mm-hmm. What if the next thing, like this is Luke Fickle again on the cutting edge, right? Is having two of them yep. on the field, one on each side. Like that's to me, that's kind of the the football geek, like fascinating part because it's it's something new. Well, I mean, you think about it. When they saw pace, I'm sure they're like, okay, we got to figure out a way to get pace on the field, even though. Ty Van Fossen is kind of the heir apparent and, yeah. and the guy that showed flashes the year before. Uh, similar like Will Huber, you know, hey, we've got Joel DeBlanco who has been here for, you know, since 2006, but we still <laughs> need to get Will Huber out there because he has this specialty where we need him on the field. You know, it, it, it kind of seems like it's fitting the mold of those guys. And it, well, but it's, yeah. Staff needs to get Leroy Bowers on the field. They're going to figure out a way to get Bowers on the field. So that's as awesome to hear a uh, another piece of the puzzle. But I'm excited wanna, by it. I think the potential of it is really, really fascinating. So I want to move on to kind of the hot name throughout the entire winter workouts, and of course now here through two practices mentioned in practice number one, mentioned again. You've already mentioned him as as a player that kind of sticks out. On the offensive side, Shimon Mateo, guys, um, how did just just fill me in? Uh, it's it's this thing where last year everyone was was begging to get the tight ends more touches. Is next year a season where you've got three tight ends and you want to figure out any way possible to somehow get all three involved in each game, some way, somehow? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it's. I think with Ben, Ben is if it's you know if Ben ends up winning the job, Ben is a guy, and, and maybe even Evan because he's he's going to be a little bit more 
green. Like we saw, remember when when Dez was was young, right? Josiah Deguaro was like that security blanket. Yep. I think you you look for your checkdowns a little bit more. You look for mm-hmm. you know those quick hits, guys that are going to be open. Um, you know what's going to be tough for Shaman more than anything is Josh and Lenny, right? Being in front of him, but uh, still, there's that opportunity. He can find his way onto the field. Aaron, did you, he didn't do a ton on Saturday. No, it's just the fact that his the speed that we've seen in the post, you know, Brady's workout posts, it translated to on field speed. I mean, he's not out there running a route at 20 miles an hour. Don't get me wrong, right. but you can certainly tell that he's got a step or two on a linebacker in coverage. Right. And he shouldn't by looking at him. Correct. And you know but what that does. could do? That could do in in a certain game here or there, sometime next year, it could catch a defense by surprise. And sure, if you're able to do that in one or two or three games, and if that's kind of the impact that you have behind two NFL caliber tight ends, then I'd say the future is very bright. So what are are you seeing? It's a combo of Lenny and and like what is is he comparable Lenny's number or one. is he kind of different? Yeah. Um, kind of comparable to Lenny. I, like we haven't, again, we're in yeah. practice two. Practice two, right. So you haven't, and they, they don't have pads. So you're not seeing like, are they, are they starting to move Shimon in line? Mm-hmm. Like, is he getting some blocking responsibilities like, like Lenny has? Um, are they using him as more of a like full package tight end? Or are they using him as a, like a pass catch K, you know, Kelsey position guy. Uh, my inkling is it's going to be more like Lenny. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he keeps moving like he does, jeez. Uh, like, remember, what, two years ago when when it was basically Bruno and Josh yeah. and then Lenny would sneak in and all of a sudden make a big play or whatever? Like, I think there's a there's a spot for Shaman uh, right. in that, that kind of role. Physically... You know, it's 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 very early, and I'm I'm an idiot for saying this, but they have their next prototype, like NFL prospect, a tight end in the system. I don't think you're stupid for saying that, but yeah, tight end, you top top rated recruit in his class. I mean, it's a it's not not a crazy hill to stand on. He's gifted, man. He's very very gifted. That's for sure. I- how are his ball skills? It looks like he catches he, it. He's caught everything thrown his way. Okay. He he put a move on on Jacob Dingle today that was like, oh, he can do that too. Like, <laughs> okay, like you, you you leave a safety like grasping for air as you go by him and turn a you know nine yard gain into a twenty yard gain. Okay, right. And let's be honest. You got a safety or a, a corner or a nickel on him. Good luck getting him down because he's thick. Three C's. Not I mean, two C's, three C's. <laughs> three. Three. Like a milkshake. What one thing I constantly remind myself of with, with Shimon is that he uh he got himself a, a triple double in, in basketball. And you would yep. think a big man like a tight end, maybe that third, you know wing of the triple double that third leg was was going to be blocks but no it was assists so he's got some finesse to him and 
the fact that you know ball skills, everything sounded like he's he's got some some real finesse to his game on the field as well. So that is ever exciting. Um, but we've got to move on. I want to talk about the transfers that have come in, and we're going to work our way up to Ben Bryant, obviously, because he is a special sort of transfer. But uh, just initial thoughts from from both of you guys. I'm going to start with Ivan Pace because we already kind of touched on Mardner a little bit. So Ivan Pace is he? Because I, I you look best at best hair on the team. Best hair. Better than Evan. Best hair Ooh. on the team. Evan's got some locks now. You're not wrong, but I'm saying Ivan Pace. He's got he's got kind of the 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 frohawk. Yeah, but it's it looks mean. Like <laughs> it's it's if a, if you got a haircut and went in and said I want to look like a dragon, I feel like that's what you would get. There we go. <laughs> Where where's he been working in so far in the first two days? Uh, well, I wasn't quite anticipating. I'm gonna throw chat on mute here with the dogs going a little crazy. Um, he's been working in it at linebacker as we kind of expected. Um, with Deshaun out on Saturday, um, there was a little bit more rotation in, um, uh, as Deshaun was on the sidelines working on whatever was going on with him. I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, you. When you're only running, you know, two linebackers. I mean, there's he's not. Pro- a- he's projected on that. All website, right. Right? Yeah, like, he's uh, he's backing up G. So so we we toss around the thought of getting Tyvan Fawson and Pace on the field at the same time. Does the Jaheem and Ivan Pace combo try and possibly you think takes that out of the equation? No. Mm-hmm. Well. I think you could see Ivan Pace and Jaheim on the field at the same time. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think um, Jaheim's going to be really interesting. Middle linebacker, maybe, or no, maybe more of like situational rush end. Like they're looking for that long, athletic mm-hmm. rush end, so right. they could, you know, I could see them when they go four down. That right. Jaheim is one of the four. Pace comes on the field. Uh, in that weak side linebacker spot, and you know, oh, I don't. I, we we lost Chad again. That made an interesting sound when he it did. <laughs> get on out. Um, yeah, I, but Pace Pace is kind of that guy Pace. that had a <laughs> Pace is that guy that had a lot of you know sacks off the edge as well. Would he could he also bump down in that no. role that you're mentioning? No. No. You're talking like Maje, like long, right. lean. Ivan is not long nor lean. Those are yeah. not those are not qualities that are in his uh, uh, scouting report. So right. no, you, but he would definitely come in. So you you know you probably have two linebackers. Your yeah. linebackers would be Huber and and Ivan, right. and you go four down with three of your linemen, and Jaheim is kind of like your your rush end type. Again. Like this is all becoming very fascinating to watch because they're they're in chess mode right now. Like they're right. like they're preparing their pieces to see what they have to see what mm-hmm. you know. Th- this is remember we talked about how exciting this spring yep. 
the summer was going to be. These are the reasons why, because now we're finding out, okay, they might use this piece this way and they might use this piece that way. And it doesn't, maybe this doesn't look like what it's looked like in the past. And that's not a bad thing. You have, you have different talent, you have different personnel, you have different abilities, different skill sets. And again, like I, it's so important to remind people this. The two best recruiting classes in program history or the three best recruiting classes in program history are the three most recent classes. Right. So the talent is not the, the concern. The talent level is very high. Mm-hmm. The task of the coaching staff is how to maximize that talent. And remember, yeah. the last system was built for the talent that was on hand as the last system was evolving. Marcus Freeman didn't start running a three, three, five until 2019. They got here in 2017. Mm -hmm. But as my became a dominant edge rusher and all of a sudden you had these two outstanding safeties in, in forest and Wiggins. And now the emergence of sauce as that was beginning and Kobe on the other side and Arquan Bush in the nickel. And, you know, you had this dominant secondary, so you could start designing your defense to fit your personnel. Right. Well, maybe this time, and I said this on on the BCJ pod as we were going through the defensive preview on Thursday, I think linebacker right now might be the strength of this thing. Stout. Yeah. And, and, and if that includes Bowers in the nickel, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and you have Deshaun and Ty Van Fossen at the dollar, and you have Jaheim Thomas, who's rushing the quarterback and then dropping and then playing linebacker and in coverage, and, and you have Huber, who's the consummate veteran leader in the middle, mm-hmm. right? all of a sudden, now your defense is based around your linebackers. Well, right. What has Mike Tressel always had? A defense that was centered around his linebackers. Yep. Um, so now you're playing to his strength as a coordinator because your roster kind of matches up with his strength. And all of a sudden you have this like Big Ten style uh, size on your defensive line with Briggs and Van and Jabari Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. So I, it just, you know. It, it, it's really fun to watch. Like it's really fun to see it as it's starting to develop and uh, come to the come to the surface right. on what this next iteration of the Black Cat defense looks like. As we're talking about defense, and I know that pads aren't on yet, so this is just completely speculation. But who are I you love guys? Speculate. There's nothing I love more than speculation. Who are you guys most excited to see once the pads do come on? Like somebody to actually get a hit on somebody. I think Chad's going to say Leroy. Leroy Bowers. Like, we've seen all these other guys hit people. Well, see, for I me, haven't seen, Jah- I haven't seen this version of Jaheim. But we've seen him a couple times in games where he, like, he hit people. Like, you know what? We had the one where uh, Beavers got hurt and was out for, I think, the like the second, like the end, yeah. end of the third and fourth quarter of Is a that, game. The UCF? I don't remember. Matt, did you just get here? 
<laughs> we we did just touch on that a couple minutes ago. Yeah, I think they're looking, they're exploring on whether he can be that edge rushing fourth down lineman and you know get after the quarterback passing situations. Yeah, that's it's that's in that's something that is being explored. Mm-hmm. So it's all right, Matt. I'm just busting your balls. Like literally, it was literally like three minutes ago. So <laughs> where were you three? Like, why weren't you here at eight o'clock, Matt? Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> For me, Aaron, it's uh, it's safety, you know, because who's going to be that that saver of, you know, the the next Brian Hicks and, and Derek Forrest, the guy that, you know, when when a running back did get to that second and a half level who's going to come up and stuff them. So, I mean, I don't Who knows? I saw Dingle and threats, obviously, are right there on that. You said, uh, you said Brian Hicks. Did you mean? No, Jay Brian Hicks. Cook. So, Brian so Cook. I meant, All right. I meant. You, you Brian pulled a, Cook and Derek You pulled Porter. a Ben Prater. Yeah, I did. Uh, so, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, Brian Cook and Derek Forrest, you know, kind of just those guys that were that last line of defense. I mean, it it is crazy to think about the defensive backfield we're never really super afraid that anyone was going to break through and and get behind the defense on you with the cornerbacks and the safeties that just the luxury of defensive backs. So um, who's going to step up at that safety position opposite of Hicks? Our Morion Smith has looked really good. Right. Oh, well, that's another name. And, and you saw obviously uh, uh, McDonald that put his name in to the transfer portal. So obviously that means that it's been some, some players that have, have obviously shown some things and maybe it's, uh, you know, the, the rise of Armarion Smith, the rise of, of, you know, Brian threats, just kind of, it's the proof is in the pudding and it's obviously to read between the lines there. So I'm excited to see who, who really steps up in the other safety position next to Hicks. So that's what I'm looking for. Hit wise. Now, I had a thought when you guys were touching on Nick Mardner and the size that he has. A chat, I did glance at your notes from today, and you did toss out the the one hot name. Aaron loves this name as well, of of Blue Smith. And I, I mean, just imagine a, a five wide set with. And this is just thinking out in La La Land with Mardner, <laughs> with Mardner and Blue Smith. Wiley, Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott. Yeah, I know. I, I see your face, Chad, but that's a uh, NCAA type uh, NCAA yes, football. That's exactly video what it game is. That is a, that's, a, that's a video game, correct. But, see, but it's it's pretty exciting to know that those weapons are on this team. Um, so there's a lot but, of weapons like that. that are, <laughs> a lot of weapons. For, a, for an offense that looked around three years ago and went, uh, where's the beef? <laughs> like all of a sudden you're looking around now and going, you got a lot of mouths to feed. Like we got, beef, we got a lot of mouths to feed. Here's the thing on Blue Smith. Today was as good as I've seen him since he's been here. Good. We need to see the consistency. Because he had a couple good days in uh, Camp Higher Ground last year, where he had a couple good plays. I don't know that he right. had good days. I, I think people just want. Him to be a factor so bad yeah. that if he makes a play, it's equated to he had a good day. Right. I'm talking right. today. 
He made six or seven between, like I said, this was from one-on-one to seven-on-seven to team period. He made some plays in every phase, and he was doing it in a little bit of different ways. Um, You know, he's he's more – he's not, you know, a burner. You're not going to put him, you know, outside and ask him to run like a a go route. Right. But – his routes look pretty good. He was getting some good separation from the defensive backs. His hands look good. Like it was, it was definitely like a, a complete day, which is what, listen, that's why you haven't heard his name more. Yeah. Because he'll, he'll have a couple good plays, but he doesn't, he hasn't yet to string together like, like three good days. Or like three out of five good days where like you you keep and blue look blue look really good today blue look really good today right what, the, what the, well as the biggest blue smith stand on this show <laughs> and maybe in all of bearcat journal i would say that he's maybe been his own biggest enemy because i think he gets so frustrated sometimes on the field where you see the helmet being thrown or you see him getting barked at and just kind of sulking back to the sideline and I think that he just kind of gets in his own way it's more often. Maturity more often than not. Like it's it's not having that ability to just like compartmentalize, like, okay, forget that it, play move didn't on work. The next like play, we right. gotta go to the next play. Like he hasn't had that. And I it, we didn't here's the thing. He didn't have to have it today because he made the plays today. Right. So what happens, you know, if he comes out and on his second catch or second attempt on Wednesday, you know, he bobbles it or something and then he gets in his head and then he goes in the tank for the rest of the day. Yep. If you get this version of blue Smith, you can definitely use him, but that's why I'm like, you know, hesitant. I was writing about him today because I know people are going to freak out. I I didn't, (laughs) I didn't write about it yesterday on Saturday because he didn't really do anything. Right. And we still had three people. What about Blue Smith? What about Blue Smith? What about Blue Smith? Look, guys, I promise if somebody plays well, I'm going to write about them. Mm -hmm. Like that's the job, right? (laughs) Watch practice, write about what happens. And especially in a spring setting, like write about what goes right, write about who looks good, Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, who looks like they might be able to step up and make a contribution. If blue can get there more power to him. Um, But he's got to back up stuff like what we saw today consistently. Right. He was good I today mean, though. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Wasn't, okay. wasn't, wasn't as good as somebody else, but he was good today. Oh, not as quite as good as a quarter that. Oh, well, that was the next step. But, yeah. I mean, shoot, it's just Jaden Thompson. I, I, Drew Donnelly. Jaden Thompson had news. a couple net bad. I think Drew Donnelly had, had a bum wheel today, which okay. was why, see, that's the other thing. Like, Donnelly had been in that field wide receiver number two spot. Right. And it looked like he turned an ankle or something. He was walking. It was fine, but looked like just a little ginger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Blue got an opp- more opportunities. Uh, to move up to that second team spot where Donnelly was, and he made plays. Like that's the thing, man. You got to you yeah. take advantage if, if right. something happens. We just lost. 
We just lost your audio. Am I back? Yeah, yeah, you're back. back. I was hurting for a second. Um, That's the thing. Like when when you get your opportunities, you got to take advantage and show the people making the decisions. Like I'm that dude. Like Mm -hmm. you have to get me on the field. Let's go. I I mean, it's just so many. uh, You know, last year's spring ball darling, Will Pauling, hasn't even gotten any any mention at all yet, which is just just proof of how deep and how talented all these pass catchers are for the team right now. But I know he had a grab on Saturday, but I think that was it. I think he had a grab on Saturday. But but guys, what I'm getting to is your pass catchers are only as special as your passer can be to put them in the position because they can get open and then just have everything airmailed. I heard someone had a really good day today, Chad. I heard, I heard one of these pass catchers potentially could make. Uh, pardon me, one of these passers could make all of these uh, receivers look look quite a bit better than they already are. Again, day two. <laughs> Again, this is a podcast, and we got to get the people going. <laughs> Again, day two. Right. See, day two. Uh, like, look. Here's where. You, here's what you are right now, Brent. You're the uncle that comes over and gets my kids all fucking fired up and then right. leaves. And then I have to deal with the repercussions of my kids being all fired up. I'm usually that uncle. That's good. Yeah. You both That's are. A good thing. Not for me. Not get for the, the parents. people going. <laughs> Not my, for the parents. My sisters hate me. But someone did have a good day. Uh, ben Bryant was really my he he made four or five throws today. Tight window, on time, on target, right in the hands. A couple of them over the middle, a couple of them deep, a couple touch passes down the sideline. Like he was in command of the offense today. It, it was he the throw he had, he had a throw to Tyler Scott. It was about 50 yards. And he just stepped into it and ripped it. I mean, you know, you know, usually 50-yard throws have, like, some arch to them. Right. This thing came out of his hands, and it just sizzled about 10 feet off the ground for 50 yards uh, right into the hands of Tyler Scott in coverage for a touchdown. Like, right as Tyler Scott was crossing the end zone, the ball was in his hands. It was pretty. He had a couple throws to Lenny and Shaman over the middle that were just step into it and zip it and hit them right in the hands in coverage guy draped all over him. Uh, he threw one to Mardner down the sidelines for like 27, 28 yards. That was kind of a corner, like a out corner, uh, deep corner route and just dropped it in the bucket where all Mardner had to do just was put his hands up and, and make the catch. It like, there was, there was, a, a pretty lengthy segment today where it was the Ben Bryant show. And it was like, we used to see that some back before he left where that, right. that arm, that sizzling, like tantalizing arm talent mm-hmm. would, would wow you, but it was inconsistent. Now I think, man, this kid's got a year starting under his belt. The confidence right. is there. Like he's seeing things different in this moment. He's understanding like what, 
what the look is from the defense. He's understanding what the route concept is, where he's trying to get the ball. Um, and today he was just ripping it. And it was like, that, that's the, I think that's the good thing is what I'm about. Evan Prater had a good day. Right. Like I, it wasn't like, you know, Evan had a bad day right. and Ben had an okay day. Evan had a good day. He made a couple really nice throws today. Right. Ben just made a couple today that were like, oh, like things are different if you got a guy that's just going to step into a throw like that and and move the chains, you know, and complete. Right. That's kind of where like like Dez was, you know, probably the most frustrating for me early in his career. He got better as it went along. But like those those, you know, Alex Pierce to, is 10 yards behind the defense. No, 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 no. Rose no, early in the No. Okay. No, those those 13 yard like oh. over the middle routes to your tight end. Okay. Okay. Those intermediates, that, yeah. that those intermediates that move the chains, you know, on second and seven. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you've got first and 10, 18 yards down the field. Cause you hit a guy in stride at 13. He turned it up, you know, gets an extra five yards. Um, and now you're, now you're rolling right now. Right. Now the offense is moving. So was that, um, was that like the ball to Mateo that you were talking about earlier uh, where you yeah. took something that was like eight and turned it into what? 18 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that was more no, that was more Shaman. That mm-hmm. one was like a little check down and then he just, you know, he made Dingle look bad. He made Jacob Dingle look bad. <laughs> I just didn't know if that was uh, one of the passes from Bryant that you were talking about, but I didn't have it written down okay. through that pass. But I'm talking more about like you know, you, it, the those 15 to 17 yard yeah. down the field throws that when you watch Alabama, like remember when that like that's what you know, they'd have third and 11 and they'd hit that, that 15 yarder. Right. That really hasn't been part of the offense. Right. Here. Um, So if you get that with Ben where he's got that arm to just stick it in there and get you that first down. Here's, here's an instigating uncle comment. Um, (laughs) Here we fucking go. The uh, (laughs) pro football focus PFF did a top, you know, I think it was top 10 rated Desmond Ritter plays of his career. And one of one of them at the very top was his pass to Tyler Scott against Miami. Yep. To open the season. So if if Ben, ben can throw it deep. That's never been no, no no no, but I'm saying if Ben Bryan's putting it on a money on the money on a similar type of a pass, then no, it wasn't good. a similar type of a pass. This was not it was a laser. Like, right. It was a laser. That, that pass saying, to Tyler I'm Scott was put some air under a, it. Right. But that's still going to be a highly rated, tough, not not tough, but great pass. Yeah, but it's a completely different so. style of pass is what I'm saying. This was. I'm just talking about the rating. Just the rating. I, but it's you said it was a similar rated. pass. It said it was a similar pass. Well, I'm, I'm explaining. Right. You know, uh, get defensive. I'm explaining. You weren't. It, it was. It was guy trailing him in coverage, safety right. over the top, and Ben put the ball in between the defense on a line 50 yards down the field. That is not hitting a guy running wide open 75 yards. It's a that is a different point. type of pass. Right. It was it – was, look, there are only a couple, a couple plays a week, and Justin and I, Williams, are usually within, like, eye shot of each other. 
where we look at each other and raise the eyebrows like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. That was that was that pass to Tyler Scott today. That that there might not be a better play in spring football. There's 13 practices to go. There might not be a better throw in spring football than the throw Ben had to Tyler Scott. And if there is, we're having a hell of a spring, boys. That's what I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, yeah, I know what you're saying that that was a great throw to Tyler Scott, but it was it was a different like it was a different animal. There we go. There we go. I, that's a that's music to my ears. Music to my ears and to the listeners' ears. So uh, buy stock now. But any <laughs> any closing remarks as far as football spring practice? Obviously, that they're going to continue. And like you said. Who knows? Maybe in the next practice, it's Evan Prater who's having just a, a monster day. Or, or, you know, maybe it's one of the defensive players that's really yeah, stepping I mean, up whose name hasn't been mentioned yet. So I thought Saturday, Evan and Ben were pretty even. Like, Ben maybe had a slight edge, mm-hmm. but I thought they had similar days. Would you agree, Aaron? Yeah. I mean, like I said, both guys kind of airmailed some receivers early on, took them a minute to get in their groove. And when they did, they were hitting guys. Uh, but it was just kind of just kind of getting back into the swing of things. I mean, you, you just were kind of running short passes early on, throwing darts, and then when you opened it up, you had to wait for that arm to kind of catch up with you. I think the biggest difference today was that Evan was relying a lot on, like, checkdowns and underneath stuff, mm-hmm. the, the stuff that we saw him have success on, and then he would hit a couple big throws off of that, where instead of checkdowns, Ben was hitting 17-yarders. 20 yards and then going over the top and hitting 40, 50 yarders on top of that. So that was probably the difference was, um, was, was Evan looking a little bit more in that under 10 yard range and completing it where Ben was working in the 10 to 20, 10 to 25 yard range and really pushing with confidence, just stepping into throws and pushing the ball downfield, which makes this offense an entirely different animal if second and seven is, you know, potentially a 15-yarder regularly. I'm I'm really – like one thing I've been also thinking about is the fact that we've gotten so used to seeing this is what a good Desmond Ritter day looks like. This is what a good Alec Pierce rep looks like. You know, this is what – you know. A, a great you know insert player here or there oh wow this is when when kobe really locks down a play or makes a big play or when sauce just completely wipes away when my dominates the a tackle so it's it'll be interesting to see as spring practice continues and throughout the entire offseason when you adjust your your thought of like wow okay that's what a good ben bryant day looks like that's what you know a, a great jaheem thomas day looks like so i'm Fortunately, fortunately, for the most part, we know what a good Ben Bryant day looks like already. Yeah, because we would. You would. Because yeah, I've seen it. I've seen what a good Ben Bryant day looks like. Um, but has that scale changed? Right. right. Like, yeah. is is the evaluation of a good Ben Bryant day now obsolete? Right. Does it look more like today? Because mm-hmm. if today is like your I guess that's the question, right? Is today a normal day in the office, what we saw? Or is today like he was at the top of his game today? Right. 
So now that's where the fun comes in as we get to kind of like find that middle ground. Where was he at today? Is this what he, he looks like all the time now? Yep. Or is this was this him coming out and, and having himself a day with a couple really, really good throws? Right. Uh, that's see, cause because you kind of you get so used to seeing certain players throughout such a long time where you kind of probably expect the same eye here and there, you know, you can kind of tell after the it first just kind of like a metronome. handful of reps. Yeah. You know, you knew pretty much every day what you were going to get from Des, what throws right. were you expected to be good, what throws you expected to be, you know, maybe a little inconsistent. Um, so yeah, I get, I totally get what you're saying. That'll be exciting as it unfolds. And luckily I, what is, is Wednesday that are they off Tuesday, then back Wednesday? Is it kind of a, Every other so day type ordeal. They have, so they have Wednesday and Friday left this week. Mm-hmm. Um, they're supposed to be closed because the sports information office is all packing up shop and heading to Dallas, obviously. Right. Um, they're supposed to be closed. We'll see. I, I think I'm there's a, a I think I've worked out that I can I can be at practice. I'm not just going to be able to do like post game interviews and and stuff like that. So you purchased um, the drone, is what you're trying to say? <laughs> they're in the bubble. I've, you can put a drone in the bubble. <laughs> you're not. If the drone is in the bubble, I have to be in the bubble. And <laughs> I might as well just be in the bubble then. Right. Right. Yeah. Good point. Um, <laughs> Probably hit the if they were yeah. at Nipper, yeah, purchase the drone. Like, let's go. <laughs> but I think we should be okay uh, tomorrow on Friday. Um, it might not be full reports. It might be partial reports just so I don't upset the apple cart. I know there's, you know, people that probably won't be happy that I'll be there and then they'll be in Dallas covering football or basketball. So Too much, too much Leroy Bowers talk. All of a sudden it's – He's at the top of everyone's game. And I'm just joking, but yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be exciting to hear as as that continues to develop. And then, of course, as basketball comes on, we got to slowly shimmy to there. Aaron, did you have anything closing? I mean, we've football? got we've got I, an hour and ten minutes on two spring practices. I'm just disappointed yeah. that Chad didn't have his camera on for the, like the last three minutes for all the "I hate you, Brent" looks that he probably had. I'm trying to keep myself from getting in trouble. <laughs> I hate you, Brent. Wow. Keep that mental note. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. I love, I love you, you, Brent. Brent, I love you. Aaron said that, not me. Oh, I know Aaron, Aaron hates me. Aaron, I know Aaron, Aaron hates said me. That. I just, just, you know. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so uh, also football-wise, before we completely move on, a bunch of recruits are in town, uh, and then, of course, the Combine. Got to wrap up those two. I'm sure Dave will dive in more on the Combine on, on Wednesday or Thursday, whenever you guys record that one. But uh, as far as recruits in town, Mick put up a story, um, kind of getting in touch with some of those. There are some big, big names there, and it seems like the big names are continuing to come. Um, were you guys able to kind of get – any eyeballs on the guys that were in town and kind of how they, you know, was it just kind of just observing and then talking to the the staff afterwards, things of that sort? Yeah, it's mostly just observing, watching practice, talking to, you know, catching up with the staff after the game mm-hmm. um, or after practice and, 
you know, Mick will have everything on that. That's the nice part, especially a day with as many guys as, as they had Saturday. Right. Uh, Mick can kind of go handle the recruiting stuff and mm -hmm. I can watch practice. Um, like days like tomorrow, there's, as Mick has posted, there's quite a few recruits in the house. I don't think he can make it down. Um, so I'm going to have to kind of double duty it, which sucks because you don't, you don't get as much attention to detail in practice. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. I, I did it for many, many years, kind of handling that duty by myself during the spring. So, uh, it is interesting. It, it feels like there's a lot more, uh, a lot more interest in showing up to see the old Bearcats right. take the field this spring. And, and and here's one thing I like. I was thinking about this as I was going through Mick's article. A lot of the kids were talking about like the energy at practice and the tempo of practice. Mm -hmm. And that used to be something I noticed. But my eye, I guess, has just been reprogrammed to, to that's. Yeah. That's practice, right? That's it's not a high energy practice. It's a practice because all right. practices are expected to be that high energy. Yep. Um, so that was just something that, like, in reading through what like what Mick had had gotten from them, they all talked about like, wow, watching the tempo, watching the pace of that practice was like stood out. And I'm like, yeah, that I remember when it was like that, like after the previous coach left and the new staff came in and you're like, dude, these guys get after it. Mm -hmm. And, and now it's just kind of like, no, this is, this is what practice looks like. Like this is, this is what it is. Uh Oh, Aaron breaking news. My alma mater. Do you know Good Kathy one. here? I don't know Kathy, but okay. right. State wins. Well, I, I figured she would like, she obviously know, like, I would guess, Kathy, are you aware that Aaron's a right state wrong school guy? Because that that's all that would make sense is telling, Aaron, letting Aaron know. Good to see so you. now you got to root for the Norse, right? Like that's a rivalry. So you get right state and mm -hmm. NKU for a berth in the NCAA tournament. Truthfully, I don't give a damn about NKU, so. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't you like? Would you rather? <laughs> would you rather play your rival or no? I would who's rather. You play Cleveland I, State. I would just rather Wright State got in, but they put they play I IPFW. Um, oh, so so Wright State beat Cleveland State. Yeah, they beat Cleveland State eighty two sixty seven. Oh wow, that's that's a nice win. For for me in in mixed article, I've loved how play recruits are now saying. It's it's easy to see why Cincinnati is one of the best programs in the country. Easy to see why Cincinnati is at the top of college football. Just there are things of that sort. Is yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still just eye opening, even after the years of constantly already seeing it. So leading up to now, so it's a it's an awesome thing. Um, speaking of being at the top of the college football hemisphere, is that goes hand in hand with getting players into the NFL, the combine was this past weekend, you know, long weekend, if you will. Uh, Dave did a good breakdown of each player that was there for the Bearcats. Kind of what is your guys's – I don't want to dive too, too far into this because, like I said, Chad, I'm sure you and Dave will do it. Yeah. 
Um, we don't have time. <laughs> we are already way long. Real fast from both of you guys. Successful week for the Bearcats, like overall. Like there were some ups, there were some downs. There were, you know, not everything was perfect uh, as you would wish. Yeah. But overall, especially like like first and last impressions. Mm-hmm. The first impression was Dez being probably the best quarterback overall between the the testing and the drills and the yeah. interviews. And then what blew me away, the NFL is making Sauce a star. Dude, right? I, the NFL I is swear. making Sauce a star. Not kind of. Like, that last day and a half, everything they did was Sauce. Like, Saw, like Sauce's fit walking into the combine and and Sauce running his 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 four four one and you know Sauce this is Sauce in coverage or this is Sauce doing backpedaling drills or like that was ESPN though it wasn't even just the NFL but ESPN I, was well, fully yeah. on board with that too and it's and it's unbelievable part, to watch it seemed like they were holding their breath and the second that. Sauce got in the four fours. Then they were all like, "Yes, all right, yeah, this is the dude. <laughs> Load this is on, the guy. Load on. Pile on him. Yeah, like yeah. it was. It was almost overwhelming because I it knew was. he'd get favorable. Like it's like it's, it's like Survivor, right? Are you Survivor guys? You ever watch Survivor or The Amazing Race? Watch the first first few seasons. Rupert. Yeah, like who gets the good edit, right? Right. Like it, it determines public opinion. Yeah, they it's shape like, they shape villains and like heels and yeah, yeah. Sauce got the good edit. <laughs> yeah, like like the hype and the buzz surrounding this kid now is remarkable. But I I said it last night on Twitter when we were like after I put out the crazy the wingspan thing that I had gotten. Mm-hmm. how his wingspan had grown over an inch in five months. Right. And that, you know, he's, he's, he's 20. He can't even buy a beer. You know, that sauce is not 21. Not, not that he would. He doesn't not drink. He, would. anyway. he wouldn't drink. Well, I mean, he could buy it for someone else. Like, yeah. you know, as long as he, they were also over 21, don't, don't get course. it twisted. Don't get it. Of twisted. course. Right. Legally. Yes. Um, He's going to have, a, he's going to have the money is what I'm saying to buy beer for his friends. As right. long as they're of age. Of age, yeah. Yeah, is. of age friends. He's going to have that money. Um, the edit they're giving him is just almost over the top. Like, you you don't – who's the other – who's the only other – I think there's only one other guy that got kind of the same hype that he did, and it was also well-deserved. It was Jordan Davis because he ran like He's a monster, right? He, at, from Space Jam. 340 pounds vertical leap like 36 like i they were showing him doing one of the like the you know the drill where they're telling you like back forward left right back he looked like a like a 227 pound middle linebacker doing that drill good he got a hold of some of mj's special stuff and he got a hold of some kind of special stuff he is a monster from (laughs) space jam (laughs) Maybe like uh, maybe Red Man and Method Man stuff and how high he might have got a hold of that. That's Sheesh. that's totally different stuff. <laughs> they, they they got A's at Harvard. Like it might be similar Insanity. stuff. Insanity. 
But no, it's 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 not like they trashed Stingley <laughs> at all during that. But like he they didn't made, come up. They made Sauce like really. They made Sauce be the only guy, and I mean, I I don't like I wasn't like listening to every word, right? But because Stingley wasn't there, I like I hardly heard his name mentioned. Yeah, and everything was about here comes Sauce. Sauce is five guys away. Well, here comes right. Sauce. And then, and then you saw like like people on Twitter start to say, you know, teams have never considered a cornerback as the number one overall pick, but now with Sauce Gardner, I, I think some teams are going to start to really think about it. And it's just like, not that he's going to go number one overall, but just no. I think what they were like, saying more is like he might not be, and especially in this draft because this draft's a little wonky in terms of who's the number one, like who's the best player, yeah, in this draft. What the conversation, I think, was he might be the best player in this draft. He's probably not going to go number one because the cornerback's never going to go number one. Mm -hmm. But this is so, for all of us, this is so rewarding because remember in November and December when there were mocks of sauce at like 27? Yeah. And like, you know, like... (laughs) And at that same time, we were all like, as Bengals fans, uh, he's not – I don't know if he's going to fall all that way. But that's my point. As UC fans, we were like, there is no chance that this guy is 27. Now, it, it was pointed out to me why it, this happened. So, in the draft process, that part, like October, November, is just the internet voice, like the internet noise. People that do mock drafts and people that, you know, have capitalized on the the draft machine. It's like a as, direct attack at Dave Simone. No, 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 <laughs> not at all. It's a it's it's pointing out that the draft itself has become like a giant monetized. It's an all year thing. All year thing. But as we get into January and February and into March, the voices you start hearing are the scouts, mm-hmm. are the GMs, are the personnel people. It's no longer, you know, Steve from San Antonio that loves the draft. So, right. like, he's gotten into the draft game. Now the professionals and the professional opinions are in, and the professional opinions are this dude's as good as there is. And we all saw that. We all, as UC fans, you see people, you yeah. see voices, looked at this kid and went, "There's if, if, if there's 10 people better in this draft, I don't know that I know what I'm watching, right? Like, I don't know that maybe my football eye isn't as keen as I think it is. Well, we were the only ones looking at him because the offenses that he played against certainly weren't. True. Including um, Alabama, Notre Dame, yep. Indiana, Georgia. Well, Georgia, they they win the Peach Bowl so easily if he plays. Ugh, don't do that. Don't talk about it. It's not fair. Anyway, well, I it. of course the teams are really starting to love Dez as well. But I want to move on to basketball real quick. Um, it, just just kind of the mention of Dez as some teams fell in love with them. And when it comes to the NFL draft, when it comes to quarterbacks, all you need is one team to fall in love with you and. We've seen quarterbacks – I mean, teams really take a reach for a quarterback 
high. So who knows? We'll have to see. But a lot of fun leading up to that. Uh, but now, guys, it's what we March. talked about all along with Dez. Yeah, it's all. It's what we talked about all along with Dez. He's going to interview well, mm-hmm. as long as he tested well or well enough. Then he was going to be okay, and he's he's going to be more than okay. I he might not end up making that leap to the first round, but I think somebody is gonna is gonna take him, uh, even if it's what I think is probably more likely now is you see one of those trade up at the back half, back into the first round. Lamar Jackson. such and such team fell in love with him right. and knows, like, we can't let him go any fall any farther or we're, we're not going to get him. Yeah, yeah. And then my mind goes to Lamar Jackson. Not saying Des is going to win an MVP in those first few seasons in the NFL, but right. Lamar. Yeah, but if you're going to gamble on a – yeah, but if you're going to gamble on a quarterback, that's the move that you make. So. Yeah, give me an uber-athletic one at the end of the first quarter. Half. Now, um, now yeah. go get your segue. Go get your segue. Come on. Speaking of first round. The Bearcats have a game coming up here and on the hardwood down in Dallas, Fort Worth. First round tip off at 1 p.m. on Thursday. For all of you that work nine to fives, myself included, gotta love that start time, baby. It's against ECU. Uh, it's a team that the Bearcats have taken down twice so far this season. The winner takes on Houston. So. Here we go. I in an interesting stat I saw. I don't know if you guys saw this. The team that hopped Cincinnati to to seventh was Wichita State. Yeah. I think I think Wichita State was the only team in in the AAC that didn't play some some sort of percentage of their of their full schedule. They missed three games. All three were road games at SMU, at Temple, and at ECU. So weird. Why did they not have to make those games up? Why, why Why? was that a Cincinnati thing? Why did Cincinnati have to make their games up and essentially wreck their schedule for the remainder of the season, but a team like ECU or, or Wichita State got to miss three games? Three road games. It's unbelievable. I'm not, I mean, I'm going to say Wichita <laughs> State loses two of those and since he's playing at a – Way more reasonable time on Thursday, but I digress. Well, considering Cincinnati beat them twice. Yeah. Here's Whatever. what I will say, though, after this weekend. Yeah. Being in the I'm Houston half of the bracket and not the Memphis half of the bracket might might be a good thing. Oh, yeah. I, I think Memphis is getting very hot at the right time. Uh, they have been fantastic over the last 10 games, except for they one bad half Houston. at SMU. They smoked Houston. Yes. I mean, that game, I, I was excited to watch that game, and then I was bored after the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Houston had no shot in that game. No. Here Not is one. Here's my question for you, Brent. Yeah. Everybody says it's, it's hard to beat a team three times. It's so right. hard to beat a team. Is it, A, harder to beat a team three times, or, B, to have a guy play – three straight games against one opponent like Vance Jackson played in the first two. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with option C actually, because Not I think hard. that it's harder for Vance Jackson to have that because the defense is going to be able to scheme and, and really stop him. Newton is the player on ECU. That's kind of been like that one that the Bearcats have been able to contain for the most part. And he's yeah. arguably their best player. 
But for me is this Cincinnati team is so different from both times that they played ECU. I, I mean, the one that went on that Texas two-time tango is completely different than the one that played at ECU and the one that played at home against ECU. I, it's just, it's, it, it's a strange thing, you know, it's, it'd be different if yes, you know, you, you rolled out the same type of rotations, the same production, this, that, and the other against ECU. But I mean, these, these new kind of, uh, I don't know, like, like a Jarrett Hensley, if you will. And I know he got added minutes because of the injury to John Newman. And I don't know if we got in, uh, I know you guys had a media availability with Wes. I haven't been able to watch that yet today. Um, but, was there an update on Newman or he was out getting jump shots up okay. before practice? Does that mean okay. he'll play? I don't know. Right. Yeah. It looked like a heavily rolled ankle, something that we've, we've it's seen just an ankle that he's been dealing with since right. geez, way back at the beginning of the season. Tail right. as old as time. Yep. Oh, wow. Beauty and the beast. You're Very welcome. Good. Um, so as, <laughs> as it kind of breaks down is like, you know what I mean? It, it it just seemed as if this was kind of a different feel that came out of Texas. Um, the doom and gloom of the games leading up to that. The, and sure, both games were losses. And, you know, you guys already touched on the SMU game, and, and we don't have to do that here at all. But it, it seems as if they've got a different kind of bravado to themselves going into this tournament. And they've they've got the mindset that they're going to, that they've got a real legit shot and they're going to do absolutely all they can to come out on top. So, um, and you saw some, some changes kind of rotation minute wise, not really at the top, but kind of, you know, Mikey had had some more burn against Houston. You saw Hensley kind of had to, had to play some more Vic had back-to-back games in double digit minutes for the first time since kind of the, I think it was like the early conference season. So, it, it seems as if some different pushes by West have started to click at the right time. And, you know, you play ECU. I don't think that that it's a team that you really have to worry about the whole beating a team three times in one season because ECU's kind of been on a tumble themselves. So, well, and there's of- statistical evidence that shows that's not like the team that wins twice. Like sixty-seven to seventy percent of the time wins the third time, right? Because at that point they're just the better team, um, right? You've established that they're the better team. Now, the first game was what? Like it got closer at the end because they were up like thirty, yeah, at one point. And ECU made a, a, a push to get back into it, right? Uh, the game at ECU was a one-point game, so. I expect it to be a a, a, a nip and tuck kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But I'm really interested to see what this team looks like with a couple of days of practice, man. Right. They just haven't had a couple of days to get in the gym. And Wes said in the media availability today, yesterday was the best day of practice that they've had in a long time because they got a little bit of rest. They got a chance to reset and refocus. And they came in hungry. And that's been the MO of this team, man. They, they like, you know how easy it is at the end of a season to just throw in the towel after you lose a couple games in a row. Right. They could have went to Houston and Dallas SMU and got smoked. Right. With as much adversity as they had been through. And that's not what happened. So I'm really interested to see the fight from this team. Like when they get down there 
especially right out of the gate against ECU. And you know what the funniest part of it all is how we were kind of complaining or nitpicking the fact that, you know, they, they finally get a break and it's at the very end of the year during a weekend where everyone else is playing. But now you take a step back and you're like, you know, this given is their situation that they time. have to win the tournament, it might be a great time for that break. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, I want to kind of get your guys' thoughts on just the it, – it's not necessarily been something crazy to the point where, like, Wes is, is playing Vic 20 minutes and, you know, Jarrett Hensley's getting, you know, every single backup minute available. But it does seem like there's been not necessarily a push, but it's been more minutes and, and kind of a changing of the rotations. And, and you are seeing kind of that, uh, like, rotations that have not been – as consistent throughout the year. And it seems like it's kind of been paying off in the, in at least the last two games. And I, I'd imagine it would be something that is kind of matchup driven, but I'm sure that you'll see it against ECU. And then of course against Houston, because we just saw it against Houston on Tuesday night. I think some of it's been confidence driven. I mean, yeah. you, you've seen Hensley putting up some great minutes and, you know, especially when Newman went down, you needed that. Um, Mikey has been putting up some fantastic minutes over the last two games. And again, he seems to have found his shot, which had been missing for the majority of the season, unfortunately. Uh, so you're starting. Play. He, he shot it really well in non-conference. Conference play okay. has been a struggle. Right. It's, but it's been a while. Um, yeah, so so right. you're starting to see that confidence creep back into these guys that have been, for be- lack of a better word, just kind of lacking that confidence. And so I've been you know, pretty emphatic about it and just kind of happy to see this team kind of start to find their footing against – two high-profile teams at the the end of the season here. What's most important about that, though, Aaron? If you're going to win this tournament, you're going to have to win four games in four days. You're going to need depth. Yep. And if you're going to need depth, what better time for your depth to get back to – I mean, I think the bench has been over 30 points in each of the – in the Houston and SMU games. Mm -hmm. Or at least in the 20s and 30s. Like, the the bench production has been back to when this team was playing well. The bench was playing. The bench was 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 supplementing the starters. Yeah. And when this team struggled, they were getting points from the starters. They weren't getting anything from the bench. Right. Um, it's a lot easier to score in the seventies or the upper sixties when your bench is giving you twenty five points. Yep. Right. Like that. That's just you know pretty pretty simple math. Um. So I, I think they're in a good spot there, for sure. And then in the same sense, you had Dave DeJulius kind of find his groove, especially in the first half against SMU, but he was kind of just locked in the entire game. And it it seemed as if SMU just, and I, I think I tweeted it, didn't get the scouting report of how, of how to just completely just, you know, hammer David DeJulius every time he touches the ball. But he, they he don't have the length. Right, right. But yeah, I, which. I mean, ECU has some length, but definitely not the length of, of the top two teams in the conference. So, uh, top three teams, eh, top two three. teams, top two more likely. But uh, well, I mean, like Temple has great length. Temple, you know, yeah, they're fourth. Yeah, uh, Memphis, Memphis, Houston. Houston. You know, the, the the top four or five teams in the league outside of SMU have that exact thing that 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 creates issues for the Cincinnati roster. That's why I was bullish on I thought they could beat SMU. And if it wasn't for an epic level screw job by the conference Pray to and the, the way that that line. game was officiated, 
UC wins that game. SMU currently the uh, last team in on a couple of brackets that I saw today, but um, take it for what it is. But, you know, I, I'm just excited to see kind of what they come out with. You know, of course, you've got that first game of the conference tournament. Are you going to continue to ride that wave? Because, yes, you are still riding the, the biggest losing streak in, in a while, well, since what, last season. But still, just kind of just you could be down on yourselves. But, no, it seems like they've, they've got a different push behind them, and I expect them to come out refreshed. Uh, I mean, Jeremiah Davenport seems like he's, he's playing, obviously, with the same purpose he always has, but it seems as if he's kind of focusing on some certain aspects of his game a little bit more. In the last couple, so I'm uh I'm excited to see how they come out because if you win that first game and you're excited, you are facing a Houston team that yes they just got throttled by Memphis, but they know they're in the tournament. They they've got a team that you know it's no bench at all. It's it, it's one that's that, what I wonder about them, right, Brent? Like yeah, how much do they really want to get in the mix of trying to win this tournament? Right. I mean, we're already in what you can rise up to maybe a four, you know, it's just now I think you're going to see the uh, remember the old AAC drop where teams are projected and then they they drop two seed levels. If you look actually at Houston's resume, there's not much meat on the bone. No, they've not beaten a surefire NCAA tournament team the entire season. Mm hmm. I mean, so, their, their metrics just have them so high. It's it's just it doesn't make, but well, it, where it makes sense, the metrics are so high because they're beating teams they should beat by more than they're supposed to. They're they were expected to beat them, right? Right, and that's where really your metrics take like a, a huge jump. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see, but I like I wonder with them, like they know. Seven guys, and do we really want to try to win three games in three days, mm-hmm. and then have to turn around four days later and and play in the NCAA tournament? I don't know. I don't know that the answer to that is yes. Like if you're if you're really being smart right. about it, so will they come out and play? It's they have their culture. They're going to play hard, but we've seen them in the in the AAC tournament not look their best like the you could tell their eyes were on the ncaa tournament so and you know it winning three games in three days it's that like you said depth can win four games in four days and a magical run by a guard or two but houston does just does not have death at all um no we'll there's seven deep literally that's it seven deep yeah and it's it's like those those two off the bench don't give you much other than just you know minutes. <laughs> so you want to you want to you want to hear a funny story from practice today? Yes. Guess who was there? If you watch the West Miller video, you'll see somebody in the background getting some shots up. Huh. I G-Long didn't watch Glenn. it. Oh. Haven't seen G since he left, like since he transferred out. Right. Um, this is the first time I saw him back. You know what's hilarious? Where did G-Long go? Uh, to East Tennessee State. What conference is East Tennessee State in? They are in the, what is it, the SOCON? 
Who spent a lot of time in the SoCon? Is it Wes Miller? I believe Gilon put 35 on him at one point really? in time. I feel and like I just heard Brent connecting dots. That was <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so, you know, Roberts was there at that time uh, when it happened. Morgan was there at that time when it happened. Wes was there at that time when it happened. Uh, Gilon today had his East Tennessee State bag that right. he like that's what he was using to like have his put his shoes in and all that stuff and those guys like they were having they were having a good old time hey, coach remember I, me no i asked roberts i was like do you say hi to Gilon yet and he was like oh oh hold on a minute <laughs> and he went over and he was like you're in my gym after you gave us 35 <laughs> they, the, like they were they were having a good time with it so it was, it was good to see g um, that's awesome I, I I had a great relationship with G, and uh, he even said he was like, "Man, I wish, I wish it would have worked out." But you know, G would be awesome to get on this podcast. Yeah, he's a really smart, articulate kid. He's got the experience of like what Cincinnati's about. He's got the experience of what it's like playing against Wes. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I need to I need to dig up getting in touch with G and seeing if we can. Uh, we can get him on here because I'd love to to get his thoughts. He's back. There's a new uh, pro team that's based out of Cincinnati that's just getting started, and G is playing. Are they on called the team. Stuff again? No, no. <laughs> what a terrible uh, think, name that was. He, he said he he said he played. They played their first game like the other night, and he had like thirty something twenties, high twenties, low thirties. So he can still play. He, he said he he was in China. Um, and then they closed the borders. <clears throat> so he had to come back to, to the States, but they're still paying him as if he was playing in China. So he's got a right. pretty good gig right now. <laughs> good, for G. good for G. Um, we, we gotta get well, this mailbag. Yeah. yeah well, soon. well, just real quick, speaking of G that's a point guard, Isaiah Collier, go like, and retweet his tweet guys. The, uh, the numbers on that tweet today, all he did was post a picture of him from his, Recruiting visit to Cincinnati and said, what does it say? Bearcats, question mark, question mark, question mark. Something along those lines. Um, and, man, like uh, like the Bearcat faithful do on Twitter, they blew it up. If you go back to November, he did the same thing for Alabama. I think it netted a total of 300 likes, something along those lines. Um, go ahead and take a look at what the, the, the reactions are on that one. So, And also another thing, he had less than 1,000 followers heading into today. He went over a thousand. I I know it probably made him feel a little giddy that it was a bunch of Bearcat fans that were able to push him over the top. So, um, yeah, very good. Hammer it. Well, these are gonna have to be quick hits because uh, it's not a super full mailbag, but it is the mailbag nonetheless. So, without further ado, the first question from the Bearcat bounce mailbag, starting with the football side of things. Will we see Mick doing a recruiting pod anytime soon, or can we do a Friday chat where we can pepper him with questions? Of course, that comes from none, none other than Bearcat Nation 11. No. <laughs> Doesn't get any quicker than that. We're working on doing uh, some recruiting pod content. Um, I'm still undecided on the Friday chat, but just causes more problems than it's worth more often huh? than not because of, Guys like Bearcat Nation 11 could take it too far. 
All right. Uh, what are your post combine predictions on what rounds the Bearcat NFL hopefuls land in the 2022 draft? Uh, real quick. Sauce top five. Top five. I, I think he's trending towards being a, a top 10 pick for sure. At worst. Uh, I'd love to see him in the top five. Uh, I think Dez has a real chance to sneak into the back end of the, the first round, if not early second round. Partially because he the won that rest. Year. Yeah. The rest, man. Alec Between, uh, I think Pierce has put himself second, round. really close to second round, if not second, very early third. Um, I, Myjay is going to have to have a really good pro day to be a, a second round pick. He's going to have to show he can put that weight back on, right? Um, and, and still be explosive. I, I Darian is probably a third or fourth. I think you're going to see a lot of guys third or fourth. Like Kobe. I think. Myjay, Kobe, Cook, 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 Beavers. If somebody falls in Ford. love, you could see them in the second. Yeah. Ford fits kind of forward, I'm guessing, because running I just worry about running backs and how overvalued or undervalued they are. Yeah. Um it's crazy. Yeah, the thing about him though that, is he does not have that much like he didn't get that much wear and tear at all during Yeah, but it's just so weird. Like they have to Teams don't want to take a back until the fourth round. Right. Like, True. so are you like, where are you at in that pecking order of backs as the run on running backs really starts? Like you'll right. see a couple guys go in the second, you'll see a couple guys go in the third, mm-hmm. but you probably won't really get a run on running backs until the fourth. Um, And that's just like, that's kind of how the draft has been. Right. Um, So I would guess he's going to be, Probably a day three guy. But there's a bunch of guys that it's going to be really interesting. Are they back into the second, into the third, or do they go into the fourth? Um, I think there's, you know, five guys, four or five guys that are right in that yeah, late second to early fourth range where anything can happen. Sure. You saw a uh, Chicago Bears writer tweeted about Brian Cook. Oh, they love – for some reason that – that, for some reason, the Bears have like really their fan base has really dialed in on like Brian Cook as a guy they want. That's that's always right. fascinating to me. Like how it happens, yeah. This is the guy I want in the third round. Right. Like right. what? Okay. Yeah. Like, what if there's a first rounder, like first round talent that's still hanging out there in the third? Uh well, no, I identified this. This is the guy that I decided. You was see the, the third same round thing with guy. Pierce, it's like don't let don't let Aaron Rodgers see Alex Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> don't let Bill Belichick see Alex Pierce. We're not getting into any of that. Uh, no, Bill Belichick and Pierce would be doing like engineering schematics. Like yeah. it, like they got on the whiteboard and they'd be like, how to build a, you know, a model like a, a Formula One car. Sure, that's <laughs> instead it. of doing uh, football. Second question, what are the primary position battles to watch as we enter spring practice? I know we've touched on this repeatedly. We covered a, a ton yeah. of that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, cornerback, quarterback, linebacker, how does that all shake out? Like, how does the defensive line shake out? Be- safety between, for me. Running back. Safety. Defensive line after the three starters. Sure. Running back, like, how does that, you know, who, does anybody really step up? And, and grab the bull by the horns at running back uh, pretty much everywhere this year, except for tight end, because it's going to be Josh and Lenny. Right. Um, and even at wide receiver, like we know 
it's probably like snap one of the season. It's probably going to be Tyler Scott, Jaden Thompson, and Trey Tucker. Right. But boy, there's a lot of options. A lot of options, including Aaron Sky after today. You're my boy, Blue. All right. I would like to know about the progress of Justin Woodley, Rob Jackson, and the Godfather, Deontay Corleone. Dante Corleone. Dante Corleone. Um, we'll find out when they get the pads on. Like that's the hard part right now. Like Watley has been pr- primarily running with the second team, uh, Jackson and Corleone with the third team. But for that position, like when you're in helmets and nothing else, they're not really mixing it up with the offensive line yet. So. Uh, I don't want to get too heavily into it until we get to see more until we get to really see like what live action looks like when they got pads on for, for me, the telling sign until they put the pads on is what Malik band said during the subathon when he was mentioning those players. So um, I'd say that they're, they're making the strides needed at this point. That's one thing we can always count on. You ask Malik a question, you're going to get, you're going to get the answer, right? Like, so does that mean Zach's kind of sweating a little bit anytime Malik Van's in front of a microphone? No, because he's not going to say anything crazy. He's just going to say the, like what he thinks, like the truth, like what he sees. Right. And he's not going to throw anybody under the bus, and he's not going to like speak out of turn. He's but been he's, around he's, long enough. He gets yeah, it. He, he knows what he's doing. Like Unless it's gonna... after the uh, Notre Dame win at Notre Dame Stadium. He didn't, he didn't have a bad comment, but he definitely was a little excited. That's because he felt like Notre Dame sold oh, him sure. short, that right. they they he wasn't a take. That's why you that's know? why I mentioned that, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sometimes how- it's no hard feelings. There's definitely hard feelings there. Yep. How has <laughs> the new place kicker, Ryan Coe, looked so far? We touched on that earlier. Uh, again, I haven't really kicked yet. Looks like a linebacker. Mm. Thick. <laughs> Three Cs. Ryan Co. Ooh. Well, do you guys think he'll take over? I'm trying to. Will he be the kickoff specialist? If he has if, a better leg guess, than yeah. than Alex Bales, then right, then yeah, okay. Bales was pretty Bales solid. Yeah. Once the season got going, like once he, he settled into that, uh, so he'll have to beat out Bales. Right. Uh, but if he if he had to beat up Bales, I think he could probably. <laughs> Without Bales question. is not Bales is not nearly as big as Ryan Co. <laughs> Fair. How do the players like the new helmets? I, I don't know. I'll I'll ask them. Well, How are they new? I are they like know. concussion-like or something? I don't know. I'm T- I'm not in on this this storyline yet, so I'll start asking around. TBD, stay tuned. Okay. What walk-ons have earned scholarships following the end of the season? Adams, Hightower? For whatever reason, Luke doesn't really like to put that information out there. So even when I've asked him directly, he's kind of like, We saw the one tweeted about, though. Right? Will Adams? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised if Adams is on scholarship. Like, he's worked his way into the 2D. That's usually right. how it works. If you become a member of the 2D or you become it's pretty good. a 
a a like reliable contributor on special teams. Yep. Uh, you find your way on scholarship, but for whatever reason, Luke just likes to keep that stuff in house. Like he doesn't like like many many other things. He just doesn't hype shit up. He's just like that's that's a that's internal business, and we're gonna keep it internal. Like, okay, your house, your rules. Uh, where does Mateo find snaps, if at all, this year? Tight end. Yeah, we kind of touched on that one already. I just but didn't know if you saw any any chance of him on any type of special teams unit or anything like that. Uh, maybe. Uh, you know, he would be more what, like... Punt uh, return. Punt return, like as a, a you know, inline guy and punt return mm-hmm. or as a, a field goal, like, guy out on, on, the, on the edges. But we haven't seen a ton of uh, special team stuff yet. So if he's running um, twenty. Just put him at, at gunner and let him just put him blow, at gunner. Yeah, yeah. Let him blow somebody up. <laughs> <laughs> but my, uh, I'm going to go tight end. Final answer. All right. These people all hate me. Chad, what is your favorite season in the calendar year covering UC football? This one. I love spring because one. Nobody else is there. <laughs> so you get to be the eyes of the fan base. Like, I love that. Like, higher ground, yes. Higher ground is difficult awesome. because you have to drive to West Harrison, Indiana every day. Uh, and not like, you know, spring ball, generally three to four days a week. Like, day on, day off, day on, day off, day on. Like, that type of thing. Love it. Higher ground, two and a half to three weeks every morning out to West Harrison, Indiana. Uh, I love that. Don't get me wrong. I don't love it as much as going to campus and That's because you live on the wrong football. side of the river. If you're a West Sider, just saying. I'm right drive... on 275 up to, like, I'm not far from you're still going on the, the back way. No. Yeah. I'm in God's country. That's why they don't wear shoes. Uh, shoes suck. I believe you. Well, actually, actually, Brent, let's kick it to you on that one. Uh, what, what's your favorite season in the calendar year? I know that they aimed it at Chad, but we you don't play by the rules here. I like I like the games themselves because um, I don't get to get to all the practices that Chad does. But right. um, I don't know. I like I like towards the tail end of the. You know, like heading into the well, at least the last couple of years, heading into the AAC championship game where basketball is starting to influx themselves in kind of that overlay where emotions recently have been very high and in a good way. Uh, that's that's probably my favorite time. So that November, you know, tail end of November, uh, my- early December. Yeah. My favorite season is any any day that's above sixty degrees where we're covering football. (laughs) (laughs) And and preferably less than eighty. Just kind of that sweet spot right there. Um when you're not wearing jeans at at Camp Higher Ground and sweating through them. Um but yeah, that that would probably be my favorite season. Just in that, that San Diego range. Right. Um I believe you mentioned and I think we're in the basketball range. 
or yeah. the basketball portion of the mailbag now. I believe you mentioned, Chad, that West saw Ravon playing on Saturday in the state tournament. Were any of the other staff members on the road recruiting? If so, do you have any details about that? No, they were not. I mean, remember, Ravon played at Fifth Third Arena. So Wes just had to walk down from his neck, take the elevator down and see him. Uh, right now, they're all in on getting this team ready for the tournament. Um, and they're also... There's some weird stuff going on in the NCAA. Like, there's some rumblings that the NCAA is going to take away, like, 30% of the off-campus recruiting days with their new legislation that comes through. So everybody's kind of not – well, the people that actually, like, play by the rules uh, are being a little leery right now of using a lot of recruiting days Hmm. um, so that they don't end up, like, out in July when it's like AAU season, right? You got to kind of keep things in check right now because you're not exactly sure what the future is going to look like on the recruiting calendar. Um, Just another brilliant decision by the NCAA to have coaches recruit less because what we really need in the era of the transfer portal are coaches knowing less about the players that they're (laughs) bringing into their program. It's fucking brilliant um, <laughs> all right so uh, no, uh, they weren't I, I don't know of anyone else that was out on the road recruiting over the weekend mckinley was was playing there too this weekend right so they were on hand for i didn't hear well. if anybody was there for that game okay but um i know there were I'm a lot sure of talks about was a lot of talks about rayvon there's i saw your, your post on the board is want to expound on that or is it kind of just uh no i'm just saying there's a lot of people that instantly discredit posts on the board as like this person doesn't know what he's talking about right there's a lot of people on the board that know a lot of people around town this is the best way Mm -hmm. i could describe it yeah um so don't take everything with a grain of salt sometimes and, and what i like i from what i've heard I think Cincinnati's right up there in the top two or three for Rayvon. They have done a really good job recruiting him. Um, if I had to pick, I, I would say I think or there's there's a, a good possibility that Cincinnati might be like just a little bit ahead of the pack. Um, but there's still you still got spring and summer AAU. Like we're we're yep. still there's still quite a bit of the process that we got to go through here. Uh, I'm just comfortable saying Cincinnati's done a a pretty good job on him to this point. All right. Um, what do each of you think UC should do with a potential non-NCAA tournament postseason invite? Decline or accept? Why or why not? We touched on this last week, and I think this is the best answer that anyone could have given. Um, what the players want. Exactly. And after the Texas two-time tango. Which, thank you for the alliteration. It's beautiful. I want them to keep playing and of course, you do. but only if they want to. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that they kind of got a good buzz, you know, stack up a win or two here and there, get a little bit momentum heading into the, uh, to the post. I mean, to the off season. All right. Uh, let's discuss Isaiah Collier, his tweet today and Chad's quote tweet response. We did talk about the tweet briefly a little bit ago. He was looking for attention. He got it. Boy, oh boy, did he. 
Boom. That's that's that that's all there is to discuss. That's why those kids put that up. Let's see. Let's gauge how much this fan base wants me. And uh, I think the Cincinnati fan base made their statement loud and clear. 1,847 likes, 183 retweets, 177 responses. So So what you're saying is it's a thirst trap. Oh, it just gained another life. Look at that. In in the world of recruiting, yes, it is a bit of a thirst trap. All right. Do you think I'm hot? And the Cincinnati fan base was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so. You're one of the hottest that we know. Brent, are you are you old enough to remember hotternot.com? No, but I can imagine it was like Tinder before um kind of. I mean, Not, but you, you didn't have like the access to like Right, you couldn't connect with them, but you could just say if, if the person was was hot or not. Oh geez. Oh man. Well, interesting. Um wow. No comment. Oh my god. The early um, days of the internet were wild. Wild, wild west, man. Thank God Al Gorkin invented it. <laughs> Chad, your favorite recruits that you still watch that didn't commit to UC. Man. And Brent, if you have any while well, while he's thinking. And I know your answer. Well, one of them. Who? Alex Lomax. I was a big Alex Lomax guy. I Look, I, I felt that Alex Lomax was a winner. And if you've watched Memphis play of late, kind of the head of the snake is Alex Lomax doing little winner things. Right. That, you know, maybe some of the other talented guys on the roster uh, Mm -hmm. do things like dunk and make threes. But, like, Alex Lomax is coming from the weak side and getting a steal, digging down on a big that leads to a highlight play. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, big, I, I mean, I guess I would the favorite ever would probably be Kemba. Yeah. Unfortunately. Hashim as Um, well. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, he didn't have near the career that Kemba did. Um, Right. I mean, not many people. Last year was pretty, pretty wild for him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I'd have to go back and really, really dig um, to kind of, Kind you of can't say Shane Somebody after because you realize Shane was like at the at the heart of the whole Louisville scandal, right? Like he was the one that was involved with the the Katrina Powell and her daughter. Yeah, uh, one of my friends that's a Louisville dis- the fan described Shane after the fact as the gift that keeps on taking. <laughs> 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 and, and and he's a part of one of the better pictures in in recent basketball yeah. with uh Deion with dunking Dixon. right on his face. Yep. Um man, there, I mean there's just so many that it's hard to like how about Scotty you know, Hobson? Yeah, I mean, sure, he had a good high school or a good college career, and then he right. you know pretty much ended up in Europe mm-hmm. for the rest of the time. Um I don't know. There weren't really a lot of those guys that ever like panned out to be like, you know, legit NBA guys. Now there's hundreds of dudes I loved that, you know, that, you know, you just end up watching because you're, you're watching this game and either 
future NBA star plays on the team or, mm-hmm. you know, future NBA star plays on the other team. I got to watch Zion uh, a good deal uh, down at an event in South Carolina. It was an Adidas event that I was, that I was at. Um, funny thing that you mentioned Memphis, like uh, Tyson Jolly was a kid that like, I was at that. It was at the same event that I watched Zion. That was the first event that he kind of like blew up. Oh. And I was like, somebody's got to get on this kid. Like this dude can shoot like, and has got the length and, and can be a dude. Um, that's another one. I mean, it's, there's so many, oh, like, I, I thought there, is he talking like guys that, were that were in the mix for Cincinnati that didn't end up committing or just recruiting. Yeah, that was how I took it. Right. Yeah. I Same. still watched it. Didn't commit to okay. you like that. You see okay. was recruiting and, and committed elsewhere. I would right. say for football, the ultimate one is Joe Burrow, right? Well, yeah, he committed to the, the caveat there being he committed to UC. He just silent verbal. He didn't he told the coaches, but he didn't tell anybody else. <laughs> That's because coach Orgeron told his brother to, find his nuts or something like that like yeah go find it hey you need, you need to go find his nuts tell him, come, to L- come to lsu go tigers you, you can't you can't let him go to cincinnati you know go tigers come on down to bayou come on down to bayou show we show joe how to win uh, all right uh brent anything to add on that or we, we... nah i could we could probably go on for another 15 minutes, but let's moving on. <laughs> hey, Chad and Chad only. What players do you think could tra- transfer after the season? See, you screwed yourself here, <laughs> Millie. This is where you screwed yourself. Uh, outside of Abdul Adu and Hayden Koval, I think all of them could transfer. They could the if season. they wanted. They really could. They could. Well played. Joke's on you, Millie4S7. Yeah, tried to get me. Tried to get me. You got to make sure that wording is correct. You got to make sure you got the the proper phrasing. Uh, Could all of them, but the two guys that can't play college basketball anymore. All right. And the last question in the basketball portion, is David DeJulius coming back as a two guard? Can you play 22-23 season with DDJ playing 28 minutes at the two and MAW and Mike Saunders sharing point guard again? I don't know if he's coming back at all. So TBD. uh, But my guess is if he comes back, it will be as a, a, a scoring guard. That's what he is. Now, maybe that adjusts some and you you have him initiate, like bring the ball up the floor. Um, I don't know. We're going to have to see like what the roster looks like in three weeks, mm-hmm. two weeks, a week, uh, to see what the answer of that question is going to be. Uh, and then look like this week is the start of portal season because as teams oh. lose in their conference tournaments, Sorry, players start entering <laughs> those conversations happen. Mm-hmm. And players start entering the portal. Like we are, we are finally to where we're going to start getting some answers on who's going to be in the portal and who's not going to be in the portal. So, uh, but if the Julius is a two, I do think you would like some more length at the one. Um, but that's going to depend on how things shake out. Right. 
Again, a lot of hurry up and wait. Uh, we tried something new this week. We do have a baseball portion of the mailbag. We'll see how this goes, uh, if it's something we continue to do or not. Um, only had one question in there, but uh, that question is, how are scholarships distributed in college baseball? So I want to make sure I get this right. Do you want to come back to this next week? Oh, I want, I'm, like, I, I, I just want to make sure I phrase it right. Okay. Aren't, aren't they partial? Yeah, so every team in college baseball gets 11.7 scholarships, I believe is the number. Yeah. 36 players to divide 11.7 scholarships is the math. Now, there are going to be a guy or two on a roster that, that get full or pretty close to full. Um, but the reality is... 11.7 scholarships, 36 roster spots. You got to figure out how to divvy up. This guy gets a quarter scholarship. This guy gets half a scholarship. And then they work with Pell Grants and, you know, all the other ways to figure out, like, academics. how we can get you as, yeah, academics, how we can get you as much money as possible. But officially, Officially, 11.7 scholarships is what's allowed. So strange. All right. Um, and by the way, what? It, Title Nine. Oh, if you I create you 30, if, well, keep in mind and Title Nine, if you create 36 baseball scholarships, one, you have to pay for them which is still the thing I'll never understand about college athletics is you are the boss. Like you are like, why can't the school just say, if you play college athletics here, we got it. But instead the athletic department has to pay the full cost of the scholarship. Um, but with title nine, if you created 25 more scholarships for men's sports to cover baseball, You'd have to create 25 more scholarships for women's sports. And because they like, I, I just don't get why it's not abs absorbed into like the college fund. Like I, if we're going to go continue to go through this farce of amateurism, which is what it is, it's a farce. Why does the athletic department have to pay the college for the scholarships? Yeah, no, I get it. Hey, Joe. What's up, brother? Big um, Coach Joe, what's good, baby? While we are here, before we move into the uh, the last portion of the mailbag, um, Cincinnati currently stands at six and four. There are only eight teams, actually, uh, eight baseball teams in the conference. Um, kind of going back to that Title IX conversation, um, but I believe Cincinnati is currently seventh in the country in home runs. If I'm not, oh, mistaken. they can hit. They can and hit. They're averaging something like almost seven runs per game. Um, obviously they had the win against Ohio state that we knew Aaron, about. I'm curious. Yeah. You mentioned going back to the title nine discussion. What, what do you think title nine is? I know what title nine is. I'm just saying like, I, that's why I'm guessing that's why there's only eight teams in the conference that have baseball teams, eight universities in the conference. Uh, they, some, they cut corners some, to yeah. not do that. That was okay. my point with that. Okay. 
I was just like, why? Why going back to Title Nine? I was confused well, as to no, where that, you were going with that. Just gotcha. bringing up the no, fact. Gotcha. That you clarify. I got you. We good. We good. Cool. cool. Uh, no, this team can hit. This team can really hit. They've got a, you know a young pitching staff. If you go to the YouTube page, there's a uh, there's a full press conference with Coach Guggins to check out. That yep. is pretty pretty informative. Uh, but they did take uh, three or four over the weekend uh, from Northwestern. And uh, they got Indiana coming up on Tuesday, um, which after that they go into their first pitch invitational, uh, which includes games against Michigan State, Kansas, and Western Carolina. So we'll see how that all starts to play out. The Big Ten roundup. And then they, I think they added a game. Like they play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I think. They added a game today. I'm just looking at the uh, GoBearCats.com schedule. So. Yeah, they, like if you their Twitter added a game today. I don't know if it was part of what you said. Friday, Saturday, Sunday was the Michigan State, Kansas, and Western Carolina. Yeah. And so then they added a couple more Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, the next game after that I see is Wofford on Tuesday. So maybe they haven't updated yet. They the added a Monday game. Okay. East East Tennessee State or somebody that's in that that cycle of wherever they're traveling. Gotcha. Well, good on them. They're they're doing well at six and four and. Uh, from everything that I've seen on social media, it seems that a lot of people are having a lot of fun attending those games, especially with uh, the MLB kind of just getting in their own way. So, And I would agree with this, Joe. Uh, $5 ticket, best value in town. It's a, it's a good time. I haven't had a chance to get out there this year, but my dad's talking about wanting to go to a couple games. Uh, so as long as they fit with my – uh, coverage schedule and, and work schedule. I'm probably going to make sure to go catch a couple games with my dad. All right. Um, last couple questions here. Uh, from the banks portion of the mailbag, do you think Xavier should fire steal? LOL. Never. No. <laughs> no. No way. Well, is his dad funding one of the practice facilities there at, at Xavier, though? Yes. So that kind of puts them in quite the pickle. Sean Sean Miller moved back to Cincinnati. If you didn't hear, I'm joking. Mm-hmm. But no, don't fire steal. Uh, which did you find more enjoyable? You see football playing all of its home games at Paul Brown Stadium in 2014, or uh, the UC men's basketball playing all of its home games at Northern Kentucky in 2018? Uh, NKU. I, I Paul Brown is just so sterile for me. It's so. Blah. Like, it's not a bad stadium. It's just not – there's nothing about it that stands out. Like, the the, the press room is okay. Like, the, the, the stadium itself is okay. Um, when UC plays there, at least, you know, back in 2014, like, there was no chance they were going to sell, you know, 60,000 tickets and make it, like, a true home atmosphere because the fan base wasn't to that point yet. Uh, NKU was fun, man. That was, you know, 10,000 seat arena. The place was full. The team was good. Um, they only lost one game there. Um, but it was closer to my house. So I got there quicker, uh, which, you know, I'm looking out for me. Um, I got home quicker after the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, that was a really, really fun season. Mm-hmm. 2018 so I, I would go with the nku season nku shout out skyline tavern 
that was uh, before I was I was doing anything with the BCJ. It was a uh, Skyline Tavern before. Woo! Walk down the hill to the game. Yeah, baby. That was fun. A lot of fun. We did barley corns. Uh, as kind of I'm, the unofficial BCJ corns. pregame spot. We did that barley corns. Deanna, completely agree, by the way. Gosh, imagine if, if the, the Bearcats continue having a great season and the MLB is just locked out. Packed out. You, you definitely could see a, a spike yep. in attendance. You know, attendance and interest, overall interest in UC baseball. Uh, what is your favorite breed of dog and why is it a golden retriever? Sadly, Skins had to euthanize their 11 year old dog last month. P.S. Aaron, since your mom is my neighbor in Mainville, when's the next time you're visiting? And there is a sniper gif, which is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, I love goldens. I, I'd like to, I, I think I'm going to, I've never had a golden. So I think if we get another, it would probably, I might go down the golden road. Uh, but labs are my, labs are my number one choice. We are in the market for a dog currently um, as well. Um, as we had a dog pass away here uh, just in the last couple of weeks. And uh, we've been looking at uh, shelters. Um, so yeah. just kind of seeing what's out there, um, whether it be some type of mix, whether it be some type of um, just as long as it's with a baby coming, uh, probably not an aggressive breed of dog. So right. I think shepherds are probably out, you know, Kitas are probably out. The problem with Goldens and kids are Goldens are very personality driven. So, and, and you don't know their personality until, you know, they're there, they're there. Right. Uh, and you get them into like, you know, they're a year or two old. Uh, labs are pretty mellow. Like they need a lot of exercise. They need to like walk a lot, but I, I saw a couple Huskies I want to check out that are at the shelter that are like poppy puppies. Yeah. We had, uh, growing up great Pyrenees and then, uh, Weimariners. Oh, I love Weimariners, but those Weimariner. are high. Those are high energy dogs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Jeter was the man though. But Great Pyrenees have thumbs. Like those things are. Yeah. <laughs> that's a breed, big, bro. That's big a Bart, breed. man. Bart was Bart yeah. was the man. Let's let's just say this: Great Pyrenees, the entire neighborhood knew probably within a three mile radius knew who Bart was because he would just yeah. roam and then. Bart's in our backyard. Uh, last question here is we're at two Rest hours, peace, fif- 15 minutes. Um, yeah, sorry to cut you off there. RIP, puppers. Uh, you're giving up to $300,000 to make one room in your house or apartment ridiculously amazing. What room do you pick and what upgrades do you make? Um, we kind of did the same thing with the barn a couple weeks ago. I just revamped this whole basement where I had a, a studio to do podcasting that was soundproofed as well. Um, and also have like a theater room on the other side of the basement here. It would be a, like an office podcasting space for me. Like there there's like, I would incorporate streaming into it so I could do some streaming and kind of continue building the content empire, but 300 grand would go a long way. And you buy a house that already has that stuff (laughs) buy a house and then spend the necessary $30,000 on building the streaming room. Right. No, I would do that. I, I'd get a full court basketball court. 
I'd uh, <laughs> do do a full bar, just a full theater room, and probably have some money left over afterwards as well. So yeah, um, there was one question that came in the chat here that I wanted to touch on before we got out of the mailbag. Um, how have the running backs looked? And that comes from Daryl Hill. Um, Don't know yet. No pads. Like it's really hard to get any feel when the offensive and defensive lines aren't like getting after each other. So don't have a great feel on that yet. Stay tuned. Uh, the practice reports will cover it uh, through the next 13 practices because they basically they go, they have to go just helmets the first two practices, and then they can go spider pads, which are basically shoulder pads, but not like all the way there for the next two practices. And then when they return from spring break, it's full pads. So um, we're getting there, Daryl. We're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. All it's right. Heating up, Daryl. So that is the mailbag. Um, Brent, we are at 215, 216. So go ahead and get us out of here. Any last nuggets? I got to ask you guys every single time. Nothing that popped up. Let me, let me check. Nope. Phone's clear. We're good. Okay. Well, then that means there's no better time for me to go ahead and sign this puppy off. Fantastic BBP yet again. March is here. Basketball is coming Thursday. I can't say night. It's it's right around noon. noon. One, One o'clock. o'clock. One o'clock. ESPNU, I believe. ECU, AAC tournament. Four games in four days. Who knows? Who knows? But yet again, huge thank you to Danco Transmission. Huge thank you to Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. But this was another fantastic Bearcat Bounce podcast brought to you by BearcatJournal.com. Have a great week, guys. See ya!